and welcome to TPA Talks. I'm Danielle Boxall and today I'm joined by Leo Kiss. He's a Scottish right-wing comedian and he's famous for his appearances at Comedy Unleashed, as well as his viral video about Extinction Rebellion. Leo, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. You've been stuck in Australia for lockdown, but you're in the UK now. How long have you been back in the UK? I've been back. I came back in June, so I was in Australia from January through to June. But to be honest, it was amazing. I was in West Australia, so they didn't have any coronavirus there. Uh, so I was going to the beach. I was, you know, having barbecues. It was just, it was, it was brilliant fun. It was sunshine, running on the beach every day. It didn't feel like lockdown at all. But you're happy to be back in the UK? No, I wish I'd stayed, to be honest. I thought, I thought the coronavirus would be done by now. You know what I mean? But now they're, they're still pretending it's a problem. Like, nobody's dying. There was, like, two deaths the other day, and they're like, oh, I've got a lockdown the whole country. And they're doing it, like, so I, I did a show yesterday at Top Secret Comedy Club, best comedy club in the world, and um, they announced the new regulations the night before. So people cancelled, even though the regulations didn't affect it. There's so much uncertainty. It's really difficult for promoters and club owners at the moment to, to put on comedy nights because you've got to hire stock, hire staff, you've got to buy stock, you've got to like, you know, tell the comedians they've got a show. And then the government turns around and says, oh, tomorrow we're changing the rules. So I don't know, I think it's time for the government to step back and stop, you know, just, just leave it to, to go through the healthy population. And um, I, th I think we'll be fine. So you're not happy with the way the government's handled it then? No, not at all. Not at all. They're like, you know, they're, um, they've shut down the economy and they're spending loads of money. I feel like I voted for Boris and got Corbyn anyway. I didn't actually vote for Boris. I voted Lib Dem because um, I don't believe in Brexit. But <laughs> I think Brexit is another waste of taxpayers' money. But um, yeah, I, I really feel like, you know, the, they're the most uh, sort of financially uh, left-wing government, left-wing conservative government we've had in ages. They're, you know, they're obviously borrowing loads to, to pay for all of this. And from my point of view, as somebody who works, you know, literally in the gig economy, um, I've had thousands of pounds of work just evaporate. And it's, you know, it's so, so, so many false starts with it coming back. I think the government should just butt out of it. And I think, I think people, there should be like, you know, civil disobedience against, against the lockdown. I don't think, you know, I understand we've got to protect the, the weak and the vulnerable and the old people. Um, but, you know, everyone else, we can, we can make our, our own decisions. So you mentioned a little bit about uh, working in the gig economy and you are a uh, self-described right-wing comedian. Yeah. Um, so I suppose I just want to talk a bit about what it's like being a right-wing comedian. Do you get a lot of you know, like flack from other comedians when you're out on the road? Um, not so much from other comedians. I mean, the weird thing about being a right-wing comedian is uh, people who've never met you make up their minds that you're evil and racist and all the rest of it. So I get people on Twitter accusing me of racism. It happened, it happened uh, this week, in fact. It was a representative of the Live Comedy Association. Uh, ironically, their, um, their diversity and inclusion rep who accused me of being racist. Ironic because you know, she's making a, a, an assumption that any right-wing person is racist. And you know, it's not the 1970s. Uh, you know, the Tory government's got the most diverse, ethnically diverse uh, cabinet in history. So there's a lot of progress being made, and I don't consider myself uh, racist. Um, you know, my, my girlfriend's mixed race. Um, it's, you know, I, I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel racist. 
so there's a lot of there's a lot of sort of accusations that get leveled at you and a lot of assumptions, a lot of prejudice that people people make about you. But most of the most of the bookers have got a sense of humor. They understand it's it's like a fun thing, you know? Like if they watch my comedy, it's it's a fun thing. I'm not, you know, if I was coming out and saying, you know, neo-Nazi rhetoric, nobody would laugh. That's not funny. It would be a horrible thing. So I'm obviously doing it, you know, I'm doing it for a for a laugh. And I think we've got a comedian's job is to poke at the the orthodoxy. And at the moment, certainly on social media and the in the sort of liberal discourse, you know, in public, the, the speech that people put out in public, it's all very left-wing, it's all very socialist. It's, just, it's all virtue signaling. I think people are a bit more right-wing when they get into the privacy of the, the polling booth. But then I suppose, you know, you say it's the orthodoxy of comedians. Uh, it's the uh, job of comedians to challenge the orthodoxy, but the government is a right-wing government. So I suppose well, you could say that it's natural that they'd want to poke fun and punch up at the government and at right-wing views. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's that right-wing a government, to be honest. <laughs> they seem to be spending money like a drunken socialist. But, um, but yeah, I mean... I understand that obviously we've got a right-wing government here and in America, but um, you know we should we should mock them. But what about what about mocking the other what about mocking the other way? I mean, I think comedy should explore every every option. I do I do stuff about how Donald Trump's a great guy, and I do stuff about you know I do stuff defending you know Thatcher's closure of the coal mines, and it and it, it kills. Like I go I do it in Glasgow, where obviously the Tories aren't very popular, and people laugh, people love it. I won Scottish Comedian of the Year doing that stuff about why the coal mines should have been shut down. And uh, if it's funny, I think people people don't need to agree. I mean, there's this idea at the moment that comedians have to be some sort of arbiters of absolute moral purity and truth. And we're not. We're supposed to be the idiots up the back of class making fun of everything. So I think if people can see that, you know, you're coming from your own personal logic um, and it's your own personal truth, they can get on board with it, even if they don't actually share that view. Yeah, so you mentioned that um, in Glasgow they loved your comedy. Do you get a lot of flack from audiences in like you know Bristol or Shoreditch or like some of those more sort of trendy hipstery places? Yeah, I mean sometimes uh, audiences can be can be a bit sticky, can be a bit um, anxious when you know if you bring up certain topics, uh, they just automatically. But I think that goes for any any comedian. Uh, people are just a bit more a bit more sensitive now. But I think that's why. You know, it's almost a selling point for me because um, you know I step outside that, and I'm, you know, I'm I'm, I'm going way over the boundaries. Of, you know what other comedians might do, so um, so yeah, people people enjoy that. So I suppose you know we have heard of you. We've heard of Jeff Norcott, who you've got some work with, and we've heard That's of Simon Evans. Yeah, but we haven't really heard of any other right wing comedians. Why? I think that is. To be honest, uh, an important thing in comedy is being likable. Um, sorry, can you hear that? I'm, I'm actually under a train. There's a, uh, I'm at Vauxhall Comedy Club, so there's like trains going right over our head. But um, an important thing about comedy is being likable. So um, if you can pretend to be a socialist, pretend to want to share the wealth, then you can look like a good person. Also, a lot of comedians aren't rich. Being a socialist makes sense for them because you take money off richer people and give it to them. But in reality, all comedians are self-starting Thatcherite entrepreneurs going out and hustling for work in a free market. And the pay structure in comedy is really unequal. Like the headliner will get 500 pounds, like the open spots get nothing. I've never seen one of these virtuous left-wing headliners demanding that his pay is equally distributed amongst all the acts. You know, they talk, they talk socialism, they don't live it. And I bet none of them, I bet none of them pay all their tax. 
Because, you know, you get paid a lot of cash, that goes under the mattress, you know? Like, I, I bet none of these people, you, socialists don't seem to understand. You can actually give the government, if you think taxes should be higher, you can give the government more money. Nobody's stopping you. The government's not going to be like, no, don't give us more money. They'll accept that money. None of them do, though. You know, it's always higher taxes for other people. Uh, do you think there's other sort of right-wing comedians out there, but we just haven't heard of them? Do you think they exist? Are they, are they on the circuit at all? I think a lot of people are, you know, like shy Tories, if you know what I mean. Mm. So, uh, and I know, you know, I post stuff on social media and it gets a bit of a reaction, but I get quite a lot of people messaging me privately being like, you know, I love that. I love that bit of material or I love that video, but I can't, you know, I don't want to say it out loud. I don't want people to see me supporting you. <laughs> so I think, I think there's a lot more right-wing comedians out there than, uh, than you might imagine. And I think with Tim Davies coming out and saying like the BBC's got a left-wing bias and it needs to be addressed, I think you'll see a lot of people suddenly, when they see that, that dollar, that money being dangled in front of them, they'll, they'll suddenly uh, discover they're a bit more right-wing than they, they used to think they were. <laughs> so I suppose before all this happened, it w would have been quite tempting for like you to sort of adopt left-wing views just so it would be easier to get gigs on the BBC or, you know, get more yeah. applaudits at, at, at Edinburgh Fringe and things like that. Yeah, yeah, it would have been. But I mean, I think you've got to stick to your ideals and your integrity. Like, I, I don't think comedians should be bootlicks going along with whatever fashion just to just to get gigs and get on the BBC. Yeah, you mentioned there that the BBC uh, are trying to get more right-wing people on. Yeah. Do you think that's just lip service or do you think they're actually committed to, to changing the sort of bias against right-wing views? I mean, I think, I think they really have to. I mean, there's a big push for diversity, diversity, representation, inclusion, and that, that's great. That's absolutely great. But we've got to recognise that the country, we've got a right-wing government, we're in a democracy, half the country voted for them. We're not living in, you know, in some left-wing country. So we've got to have them represented as well. And especially if it's funny, the thing with BBC comedy is I just find it so tame. I've done stuff for the, for the BBC and I know there's lots of compliance and all the rest of it that you've got to go through. So sometimes a lot of the funny stuff gets filtered out, which doesn't happen as, as much on YouTube. But so much, you know, you turn on uh, the MASH report and apart from Jeff, who's, who's hilarious on it, a lot of the comedy is just people going, oh, Boris Johnson's got silly hair and he's an idiot. Donald Trump's got silly hair and he's an idiot. It's like, wow, wow, I'm really learning here. You know, what amazing, what amazing depth and insight I'm getting here. This revolutionary comedy. So I think they just need to, they need to get some fresh voices on. Yeah, you mentioned like they've got Jeff Norcott on the MASH report, but a lot of people have criticised the BBC of right-washing, which is where they sort of have one right-wing view. So they can say, oh, well, we do have diversity of opinion because we've got Jeff Norcott on the MASH report. Therefore... <laughs> We have, you know, everybody, yeah. all, all opinions are represented. Yeah. Do you think it's just going to lead to more of that with this sort of like new approach of trying to appear more diverse? Yeah, I mean, um, I don't, the BBC really is, uh, it's been infiltrated and, and taken over with, with wokeness, with, you know, this sort of liberal dogma, um, which is, you know, it's, it's like a religion. It's, it's puritanical and I think they'll try and keep right wing people out as much as they can. Um, so yeah, I think there's a little bit of right washing, and um, but at the end of the day, these market forces are going to force the BBC to represent right wing voices. The BBC is losing audience share hugely. Like live at the Apollo, the viewing figures for that are down 96 percent from from its peak. That's a, that's a huge. I mean, that's that's a complete failure. 
Uh, and it, it's because they're not they're not putting the funniest people on. They're like they're picking people, you know, ticking boxes and stuff. They're they're not they're not picking the they're not always picking the funniest people. I mean, there's a lot of funny people on there. If any of my mates have been on it are watching, uh, I wasn't talking about you. But um, but like just everybody's watching stuff on YouTube now. I'm I'm putting videos on YouTube. Every time I put a video on YouTube, you know, people send me money and like you know I get I get more followers. So I'm I'm just gonna do that. I'm not I'm not gonna try and get in the BBC anymore. And when I did do stuff for the BBC, it got so watered down because there was so much compliance to go through. It sort of killed a lot of the comedy that was in it. So um so yeah, I think I think YouTube uh, is is the way forward. It's a complete meritocracy, and um you know you're in control of your own destiny and your own your own income on on YouTube. Um although that said, uh, I do get videos demonetized because YouTube is also like obviously the tech industry is is run by woke people as well. So they want to demonetize anything that could be, you know, at all contentious or disagreeable with their with their woke values. Yeah, I was gonna say, um, you know, you mentioned at the beginning about um like coronavirus. Some videos on YouTube were taken down because they appeared to um spout or suggest things that were against the WHO's rules and um, regulations on coronavirus. So do you think that in the future, things like platforms like YouTube could then become just like the BBC and only have certain types of views on them because they're being censored by these, these tech barons? Yeah, it's definitely a danger. I mean, and the danger with uh, censorship on YouTube is that it's invisible. You know, they just tweak the algorithm or they can, you know, they can go in on the back end and make videos disappear. So my friends, Constantine and Francis run a show called Trigonometry. It's hugely popular on YouTube. And uh, they're having videos um, just subtly deal. You wouldn't know that they're like, if you, if you subscribe to them, you can still find the video. Um, but it doesn't come up in recommended videos. It just it gets slyly just you know hidden away, just brushed under the carpet. Uh, so that's quite an insidious way of censoring uh, people, just silently doing that. Um, so I think, ironically, I think uh, the tech industry might need government intervention to um, to enforce you know standards of fairness and make sure that people aren't um, people aren't silenced for their opinions. Because I mean things like Facebook um, are. Their whole, their whole ethos is that we're not a publisher. We're not creating this content. We're just a platform. So they can't then make editorial decisions about the content that's on their platform. But then I suppose what you're saying about market forces, you know, things like Netflix, they don't seem to have that much sort of right, what you would call right-wing comedy on them. Are, well, are they, are they yeah. taking... I, dis the I disagree. The thing is, like, Netflix make makes a big fuss about putting all this woke comedy on. Uh, like, you mm -hmm. know... May Martin, what's that, Hannah Gadsby, all this kind of stuff. So they're, they're like, oh, look, we've got Hannah Gadsby. Man, nobody's watching that. Everybody's watching Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, Bill Burr, Ricky Gervais, those specials. And those guys, I'd consider they're, they're, they're right wing. They're essentially right wing. They might not consider themselves to be right wing, but certainly compared to Hannah Gadsby, they're, they're the opposite of woke, the antithesis of woke. They're poking at all the, all the woke stuff. Um, you know, sometimes to a point where I, I, I disagree with that. I think, you know, whoa, this guy's gone too far, you know? <laughs> so um, so I think Netflix, they're making their money off those big hitters who are totally anti-woke. And then they're also placating the woke brigade by, by saying, oh, look, we've got Hannah Gadsby. We've got, you know, all these people as well. Do you think it's safer to have a something like the BBC where there is a... Uh, public output that is supposed to reflect the public or something like a market force like Netflix where it could just decide, oh, we're going to go completely woke and 
it's up to us because we're just making money out of the woke stuff. Nobody's going to be watching the BBC in like 10 years time. Like it's just, it's, it's an anachronism. You can't, you know, have this content that's, you know, paid for through a sort of a tax, a levy on the public. Uh, you know, there's going to be resistance to that tax growing when, you know, everybody's paying for Netflix and, you know, paying for YouTube subscriptions or whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, get, or getting stuff for free on YouTube. You know, why, why would you pay? Why would you pay the BBC if, you, if you're only watching? The only thing I use the BBC for is I think the news is great and the World Service is just a fantastic radio station. It's just so interesting. But um, apart from that, like, you know, I, I don't want you any of the stuff they put on the BBC. Um, so I, I don't I don't want to pay the license fee. And I don't I don't actually pay the license fee. Did you know you don't have to pay the license fee? All I did, all I did was I didn't pay it and nothing happened. Somebody came to the door. They're like, you should pay. You've got to pay the license fee. I was like, nah, I don't want it. And uh, <laughs> said, look, there's my TV. It's not plugged into the, you know, the aerial. I just use it for watching like uh, internet stuff, and they're like, "Okay, fine." And I never heard from them since. <laughs> so, um, what what would you like to see the license fee completely scrapped? Um, I'd maybe like to see it whittled down because it is quite high at the moment. Just whittled down, and uh, everybody, all all the woke people, I'd like to see them thrown out onto the street into muddy puddles, uh, and they're crying, and they're picking up all their stuff in cardboard boxes, and the boxes get soggy, and it all falls out the bottom. And then they can't get a job because they're dicks. And um, that would be brilliant. Um, and then they just keep like, maybe, I, I'm happy to pay. I'll pay £10 a year for the World Service and the news. That's all I want to pay for. I don't want it. I don't even need the news, just the World Service. I'll pay £10 a year for the World Service. So you mentioned earlier that there's a sort of uh, a middle class, like lobby um, sort of elite in the BBC. How long do you think that's been going on for? Do you think it's a new phenomenon or is it something that's come in the last few years? No, that's been embedded in the, in the BBC and across media and now in comedy as well. Comedy used to be, you know, working class pursuit and now it's, you know, been thoroughly uh, infiltrated and, and turned, into, turned into something that only middle class people can afford to do because you've got to do years of unpaid, uh, unpaid work learning your craft. Um, so, I mean, I think that's a shame and that's happened in so many, th so many things like journalism um, and, uh, and acting. I mean, there used to be, you know, much more working class representation there. Um, but yeah, the, the BBC is a, is a bad, and the class system, people talk, about, um, people talk about racism, sexism, homophobia, things like that. Uh, classism is the, by far the biggest sort of discrimination in the UK. Like, you know, we're quite attuned to the other things and we recognize when somebody's being you know, homophobic or misogynist or whatever, but classism is just embedded into us and, uh, and it's, it's insidious and nefarious and it's, it's always going to be there. But yeah, there's just not even like, I got in trouble for saying this in the Today Show, Radio 4, but when the BBC do diversity, it tends to be only skin deep. So they get, you know, people with, you know, different ethnic backgrounds, um, you know, different genders, different sexualities, but they've all got the same you know, posh, middle-class opinions and attitudes. So there's no real sort of diversity of opinion, diversity of voice. I'd say, you know, somebody who's grown up in a, in a slum in, in Glasgow has more in common with somebody who's grown up in a slum in Chicago, like in a, you know, or in any, any country, any ethnicity, than, um, you know, than the, the, the skin color isn't the, the thing that make, that connects people and makes people the same. So do you think it's then, this classism is what's stopping 
working uh, working class right wing views from being put out on the BBC because, you know, we saw in the election, the red wall was, you know, most of the votes for Boris Johnson were, let's face it, from working class voters. Yeah. Do you think it's this that's stopping right wing views being aired on, on the BBC? And the BBC is like a big echo chamber of, of middle class, you know, posh. I mean, I say middle class. I'm middle class. You know what I mean? I, I, I subscribe to The Economist. I listen to, you know, Radio 4 and stuff. But um, I'm talking like above, way above that. We're talking Oxbridge. Like the BBC is a, is a sort of nepotistic cabal of Oxbridge elites. And they don't realise that outside of, outside of themselves, people have like vastly different opinions and those opinions are okay. They think, you know, their little guardian uh, opinions are the only opinions that, that can be allowed and everything else is evil. So, you know, nothing else gets a, gets a look in on the, on the BBC. Yeah, and what you were saying about the arts as well, um, and, and comedy in particular, that's just got an arts funding, I believe. So yeah. um, is that going to affect how comedy, the comedy circuit at all? Is it going to make the comedy circuit more right-wing because there's more money going into it? Um, no, I think that the Arts Council fund will have the opposite effect. I think it's actually it's a, it's a nail in the, in the coffin of, of comedy, to be honest, because comedians shouldn't be filling in forms and, and bootlicking to get government grants. We should be the opposite. We should be self-sustaining. We should be doing things, doing comedy that people want to hear instead of like making sure. Because I don't know if you've ever seen an Arts Council form, but it's all like you've got to like talk about certain themes and issues to make your, your project eligible for Arts Council funding. So, you know, comedians are going to be forced to you know, talk about certain things and issues, whatever's whatever's the flavor of the month, you know, the, um, bisexuality or you know, um, whatever it is, they're going to be forced to talk about those things instead of just talking about it because they want to talk about it because it's part of their experience. Uh, so I don't, I, I don't, I think comedians. I mean, we don't, we don't need arts council funding. I make money, like you know, even in coronavirus, I'm making money. I'm paying for my Audi. Just put four new Pirellis on my Audi. You know what I mean? Not through Arts Council funding, through going out and crafting and earning some money and buying some tires. I think that's what comedians should do. None of this, like, you know, filling in forms and, you know, it just, it's not, it's not comedy. Can you imagine Lenny Bruce filling in a form to get government funding? That's the, ah, oh, that's disgusting. Just the thought of it. All this kind of like uh, government grants and is that really like stripping out the, the heart and soul, as you would put it, of, of comedy? I think it's going to skew the market. So we've got even more woke people being like, oh, look, I'm talking about these issues. Because issue comedians, you get all these comedians that are like, you know, their selling point is an issue. My selling point, being right wing and being good at comedy. Uh, other people, they're like, oh, I want to talk, I'm going to do a show about anorexia or whatever it is. You know what I mean? And it's always, it's always rubbish. And uh, so we need less. We need less of that stuff. That's our box ticking Arts Council funded like issue comedy. Like... We just need comedy, just comedy. If it's funny, like people will laugh. You can talk about whatever you want. Yeah, do you think that's part of the problem? This sort of like identitarian nature everything has now. Everybody has to sort of have a label. And, you know, you're described as right wing. That's the label. Yeah. You know, do you think that's affecting comedy? Do you think that's putting, it's dampening the creativity of comedians? Well, I think the identitarian thing is, uh, is interesting because I find it very, uh, you know, socially divisive um my friend nico um he says you know society peaked in 2004 and like now you know i, I can see it as well we have got this sort of re-racialization of, of society you know people are identified by 
their you know ethnicity uh, gender sexuality instead of you know in 2004 we're all just getting on nobody nobody was really bothered and um, now it's, it's you know society's becoming like regimented again I think that's dangerous so we've gone backwards yeah no we're absolutely going backwards yeah woke people are coming from the standpoint that like you know oh, only like two percent of people have the right opinion we can't we can't say that like you know the vast swathe of like the population, Middle England, all the working class people, they're all wrong and they're all evil. That's a terrible place to start from. Most people are nice people. They just want to get on and they don't have any like malice in their heart. I, I get it. There are total, you know, misogynist, racist, homophobes out there, um, but there's not many of them. I, I haven't met one in, in ages. And, uh, you know, everybody just wants to get on. But what people are saying, no, no, these people are bad. They're bad. You've, you're this identity. You're that identity. You know why do we have to be defined by our identities? Why can't we just be like defined by our characters and personalities? And I suppose, but for you, if there are more, uh, if there's a push for more right-wing views, you're going to have a bit more competition. Then is that is that going to implement? Is that going to affect you in any way, or are you quite happy to be up with more uh, competition? I, I, do you think I, that will be better for your comedy? Will it improve your comedy? I think it'll improve my comedy, and the cream always rises to the top. I don't, I don't feel any. <laughs> it's like, I don't think you know Roger Federer's worried that you know some some kids are picking up tennis rackets. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm not worried. I think it'd be good if there's more right wing comedians, um, and uh, you know it would, it would create maybe more of a more of a sort of movement. I mean, when we say right wing, you know, me and Jeff we're we're really quite uh, centrist and well meaning. Um, we just want, you know, responsible economic stewardship, lower taxes, smaller government, um, you know, more personal freedom. And I think more and more people are wanting that, especially with the government response to coronavirus, where we're seeing our human rights stripped away. We're losing, you know, things that have existed since like the Magna Carta, like freedom of assembly, uh, freedom of movement, um, freedom of religion. And, uh, and, you know, we're seeing really brutal arrests for, for crimes such as having a birthday party, you know, a real fascistic. Uh, arrests and um, and also the the left wing part, the left wing parties are the new nasty parties. Look at Jacinta Ardern; she's like closed the borders in New Zealand. All these places that have these like left wing governments, they're closing the borders, and everyone's like, "Oh, this is this is a great thing to do." So what if open borders and immigration was a good thing? You know, now all of a sudden, because like somebody might get a cold, catch a cold, like it's, it's a bad thing. Like these human rights and values and everything, the liberal values, just evaporate, evaporate like that. Imagine if coronavirus was actually a serious thing that killed lots of people. It would instantly go into a totalitarian, <laughs> a totalitarian dystopia. It's, uh, it's mad. You mentioned that, you know, you and Jeff and other right-wing comedians, you just want sort of more lower taxes, less government intervention, that kind of thing. Is there a way of making that kind of thing funny? Because a lot of the right-wing comedians that I've seen just tend to go for the sort of like attacking woke and the identitarian politics, that kind of thing. Is there a way of making like, you know, economic policy funny? Yeah, yeah, there is. Um, I mean, you should have come and seen my shows. I did a show, I Can Make You Tory, very funny show. Uh, I, I was talking about all kinds of stuff in there, like economic policy, nuclear power, all kinds of things. I did a show, Right Wing Comedian, again, very funny. Uh, and uh, my show, Now Transgressive, very funny. You'll have to take my word for it. But why would I lie? Why would I lie about how funny I am? Because I suppose it's seen as always quite a dry kind of area. It's not really that sexy. People don't seem to be that drawn to it. And 
Yeah, but I mean, you know, you can you can find ways once you start writing about something, and once there's an inherent ridiculousness about something, because socialism is, you know, at, at its core, it's ridiculous. It's the idea that some, you know, a government apparatchik who's totally disinterested and knows nothing about you can spend your money better than you can. Like that idea is just so ridiculous. Um, but everybody seems to think it's a great idea. Uh, so you know, there's, there's inherent things that you can you can unravel and find the fun. Uh, find the fun in doing. I mean, uh, doing my stuff about um, Thatcher closing the coal mines, you wouldn't think that'd be funny. You can make anything funny. Thanks, Leo. That was Leo Kiss, the Scottish right-wing comedian. And if you enjoyed this video, you can like, comment and subscribe. And make sure you follow us on Twitter and Facebook by clicking the links in the description.